had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Could make me be true. Snap out of it. Could the make me be true. Your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. Lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mathur, and each episode I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Marcelo Pico. How, how's it going? Hey, Manish. Thanks for having me on. It's going great. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I've been looking forward to doing this podcast with you in, in general because I enjoy podcasting with you, but also this film that you chose um, because it's one that I hadn't seen before and hadn't really considered a romantic comedy, but I was like excited to see this film through that lens. And I am, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun to talk about. Would you like to introduce the film for us today? Yes, I chose Judd Apatow's 2009 film, Funny People, uh, starring Adam Sandler, Seth Rogen. It stars Adam Sandler playing like a version of himself called uh, George Simmons. And uh, yeah, Seth Rogen is a young up-and-coming comedian who uh, becomes a sort of friend of his, to say the least. And um, yeah, uh, from that uh, buds some romantic comedy in there. <laughs> I, I chose this because I do genuinely love this movie. I do. Uh, yeah. since, it, since it came out um, to now, I rewatched it last night, obviously, for this podcast, and I love it even more. And yet, like you were saying earlier, um, I can see why you wouldn't think of this as a romantic comedy. I was actually afraid watching this, um, thinking, wait a second, am I putting too much on this? Is this actually a romantic comedy? And I guess we'll talk about that here in a bit, but like, Almost, I say forty-five minutes to an hour in. I was wondering. I'm like, is this a romantic comedy? <laughs> did did I make a mistake? <laughs> but yeah. no, yeah. But there comes a point that I think it does become a romantic comedy, and there's there are some heartful moments in there um, that resonate with me uh, in that romantic comedy lens. And I think it. I think I. I think you could say yes, it's a romantic comedy, and um, it's a delightful one. And I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it now. It's a favorite of mine. Yeah, I mean, like, I... As I was watching the film for the first hour, basically, or maybe 45 minutes, I was kind of like, I <laughs> don't really see where the romance of the film comes in. Um, but then once, uh, once Leslie Mann, you know, kind of re-enters the film and she kind of... Um, I would say she dominates it uh, or, you know, she becomes a, the central focus of the film. Then, yeah, this definitely de- this film definitely has, you know, romantic comedy elements to it. I mean, the, the funny thing with Judd Apatow is that he, on some level, is, like, the one guy, like, one of the few people who are actually actively doing romantic comedies, you know, these days. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, all of his films, I think, except for... No, I think all of his films I would classify as romantic comedies. I mean, this one, I think, being the least, I think. Um, but, like, between the I mean, the 40-year-old virgin, of course, is romantic comedy. Knocked Up, I think, counts as well. Um, Trainwreck is a romantic comedy as well. Um, I guess this is 40... Uh, I mean, that movie is, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to classify that movie. It's like kind of a non-movie in my opinion, but <laughs> um, is, not, is that, is that, does that mean you don't like that movie or it's just, or it's, it's just, like hard to classify? Uh, well, both. I mean, it is hard to classify. I mean, I, I don't like that movie at all. I think it's kind of like, it seems to me like he's just kind of airing his like personal like, um, his, like, personal baggage, which is, like, I know that's, like, all of his films, but, like, for some reason, that one just feels the most, like, indulgent. Yeah, no, I... And the least, um... I see that. <clears throat> the least, like, developed in terms of, like, characters. Like, it just feels like he just wrote his, like, marriage onto a film, but, like, not in an interesting way. Yeah, And I... also, I feel like This is 40 is just very tone-deaf, and yeah. it's depiction of class and privilege and wealth, which is it's a little more egregious to be tone deaf in that regard when your film is all about money. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I, I get I get that perspective. I agree with you on a lot of points, but I I've always liked uh, this is forty. Uh, I I I haven't rewatched it in a bit actually and i think the last time i rewatched it was maybe two or three years ago and even then i thought no this is dated dated yeah this is a lot of this does not work now um uh but no i i have a kindness for that i actually have it it we could spend the whole hour talking about judd apatel's career and how i think it's like super fascinating yeah i mean it really is Yeah. yeah how funny people to me felt like a point in his career where he thought i'm more of a serious filmmaker than you know you know what people may believe and here's me proving that um i i think it succeeds in what he was trying to do funny people um and then this is 40 is him like on that trajectory and him not succeeding fully right (laughs) um and then he kind of like goes back to as much as i like train wreck to me it just feels like a safer uh a pathway for him yeah i mean it's Uh, definitely the most outwardly like romantic comedy um in the sense that it like follows the tropes of a kind of a typical studio rom-com much more closely than you know his other films do um and i think that's partially has to do with you know amy schumer because i think she wanted to write you know kind of a more standard romantic comedy but just a little like more r-rated yeah um because i don't think it's not co-written right like She's the sole writing credit on Trainwreck. Is that uh, correct? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, uh, I can I look up real quick, but um, yeah, uh, I have it, it here. Yeah, um, yeah. She's the sole writing credit. Okay, so. all right. Yeah, so that's his. That I'm, I, I'm off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that's the first film he's directed that he didn't write. Yeah, yeah. Right. Trainwreck. Yeah. Uh, but Funny People is interesting because it's like right. I mean, he's made five feature films, correct? And like Funny People is right in the middle, and it's um, it's a, it's a very it's a very interesting movie. Uh, definitely a lot different in terms of structure and vibe that I thought it would be. 
Yeah. I, I feel, and I felt this since, you know, the summer came out, I felt like this is, this is his Oscar movie. Um, and if it were marketed different, if I had a different release to it, cause this came out like in June or July of 2009. If, yeah. if, if they really wanted to universal, maybe could have pushed this, you know, for like, I don't know. Oh, well, you're, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, make sure the Oscar expert, we can talk about that. Like, I mean, he got Janusz Kaminski to, to be the, 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 the DP of this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just felt like a very, and, and this is not a bad point, like a, like very, um, like a, awards worthy film. Yeah. And I don't know, it, it they, they could have played it, you know, differently, and it maybe would have been a contender. And you know, I, 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 I joked on Twitter. I'm like, I want to live in the parallel universe where this wins Best Picture, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you know, uh, I, I think in in a different world, maybe that could have happened. Who knows? But yeah, I feel like I feel like it was again, like I mentioned before, it was Apatow kind of growing up as a filmmaker and making something, you know, a lot heavier, a lot more serious. And I think it. I think it succeeds. I know some people don't think that way. I know some people think this is maybe a bit too pretentious, maybe too long. Um, but no, I, I, I think it succeeds uh, in what it's trying to do. So, what's your um, history with the film? I know you said you saw it when it came out, but um, like, how, like, is it a movie you rewatch a lot, or um, you yeah, want to only kind of revisit every now and then? I, I've I've had a fondness for it since it came out. Yeah, I saw it in yeah. theaters, um, and you know picked up the Blu-ray right, right away. I don't rewatch it regularly. I can't remember the last time I actually watched this in full, but no, I have like any time I can bring it up and and speak highly of it, I do. Um, I think a, a quick Twitter search history, you know, my handle and funny people, you'll you'll find plenty of tweets about it. it it's always been, um, yeah. I, I I I thinking about this now, you're watching it. I think I connected with it a lot ten years ago uh, when I was ten years younger. Um, I saw it through the viewpoint of Seth Rogen's character as like the, you know the the twenty something trying to find you know uh, his voice. Um, you know, being, uh, you know, a, a novice when it comes to love and then seeing it now, 10 years later, <clears throat> after I've lived 10 years of my life and have had ups and downs with relationships, I now see it more through, uh, Adam Sandler's character's viewpoint, which is <laughs> depressing <laughs> on one hand, but like, oh, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy thinking about how t- in 10 years time, I can appreciate this in, in a new light and, and like my, my point of view changes um, from like one character to the other. So, right. yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's for me, it's held up for, for 10 years and I, I, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, I'll, I'll be watch it from here until forever. You know, it's it a special place in my heart. Um, yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. I mean, it's definitely a very um, sentimental film, and I don't mean that in a negative way or just you know anything like that. But it's definitely the kind of film that I think if it you know speaks to someone or if it you know really connects with someone, that it'll become like a really meaningful film because it is one that is very reflective and um, ponderous and. Um, 
uh, regretful and reminiscent. And I think that's what makes it such an interesting movie because uh, when I was watching it, I was just thinking about how, you know, how true to life it might be for, you know, these guys who are uh, very successful and very much, you know, famous in terms of being, you know, household names. And I guess by these guys, I mean, you know, Adam Sandler, of course, and Judd Apatow. And, um, I mean, Adam Sandler, of course, is like a household name. He's And he's been in so many, you know, classic hit movies like The Wedding Singer, Halby Gilmore, um, Billy Madison, you know, Little Nicky or what, and, you know, Big Daddy, stuff like that. So I... I felt like he brought a lot of his own uh, contemplation of his own life and career to this film. And I, I think it's like one of his better performances because like, even though he gets to be that like kind of typical Adam Sandler character, there's something like really, um, really sad behind it. And I mean, cause Adam Sandler, I think plays sad really well, like especially movies like, you know, punch Rick love and, um, Honestly, The Wedding Singer, which I think is a really incredible film as, as well. And I think that, like, you know, Adam Sandler in this in this role was just so... It just felt like a very honest performance from a guy who can be very kind of silly and, you know, ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I thought about this last night. This may be my favorite uh, Adam Sandler performance. Yeah. Um, and it, it does play so well. I think it plays well because of that connection he has with, with, with Judd Apatow and how a yeah. lot of this comes from their real life relationship. Uh, how I believe there's like a mentor mentee, uh, thing between them, between Apatow and Sandler. Um, and Ap- Apatow based it a lot of, on, on his real life and, of course, he had to go because he would be the Seth Rogen. Yeah, I, th- I think guy. that's how it yeah. went, or or he had you know similar relationships with comedians like that, and of course they ran Gary in the same Shandling, circles. Right. Yeah, yeah, Gary Shandling, um, and <laughs> I, I I can't see this movie being made without Sandler because it seems like it, I, I'm pretty sure it was written for Sandler. That's what it it feels oh, like. Oh, it must have been. It yeah, must have been yeah. right, um, and. Uh, <sighs> It's it's so odd to me that you know this in in 2009 felt like a moment when Sandler, in the midst of his career, you know, because uh, uh, at this point I can't remember how many years uh, away from Punch Drunk Love we were, um, but you know, Punch Drunk Love came out. Uh, we we once again thought Adam Sandler. He has, he has like he he can be more than just the funny guy. He has potential. Yeah. He is he could win that Oscar one day. Um, and so a few years go by, then click happens. You know, <laughs> Sandler becomes M. Sandler um, once again, and then we see funny people, and it's like, oh wait, this is a self-reflective uh, uh, movie on Sandler's career, and there's like spoofs of Sandler m- movies in this movie, and it's 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 a self-awareness. You know, we see in Sandler for the first time, and we're like, oh, you know, he's yeah, uh, it, 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 we're taking him seriously now. And then, like, then after after 2009, he goes back to 
you know, is is normal. Yeah, yeah, six yeah exactly. <laughs> All of that, and he's still doing it. And then it's funny we talk about this now, and Uncut Gems is about to come out. Yeah, you know, yeah. An- another turning point in his career. So it was it was it was uh, interesting back then when it felt like a shift, but then he went back to kind of like a you know the the traditional Sandler performance. I mean, which you know, career. So- which is so funny because this movie ends with him doing another like that baby movie. Yeah. He signs on for the sequel or whatever, and I'm like, it's, I mean, it's so funny how like it's it foreshadows like kind of his career as he like kind of goes through these like ups and downs, you know? Like, there's really no reason why Adam Sandler like has to do a movie like um, That's My Boy or Jack and Jill. <laughs> I mean, no, like, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. Like, I think I literally can't think of a reason unless the fact that, like, he just has that, like, sense of humor and doesn't really see that, you know, he could, I mean, he could really be, a, like, a terrific, consistent actor if he, like, you know, does what, if he would do what he does. And this movie is Punch Up Love, which I just looked up, came out in 2002. So it's about okay. seven years. Yeah. Um, before this, and Uncut Gems being, you know, 10 years after that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's so fascinating. And, like, even, like, when he is, like, working, you know, with, um, like, actors that he really likes, you know, like Drew Barrymore, um, you know, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, like, why, like, why is he doing a movie, like, blended with, the Drew Barrymore, not something more, you know, artistically interesting. Yeah, I, 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 um, I would, you know, it's it's a good point, and I think I'll, I'll never understand it because, uh, like, I'm always I'm always going to end up um, thinking it's just about what's easiest and what what pays the bills, you know, for Sandler. You know, he's like, okay, I get a Netflix deal and I get to make comedies for however many movies, and I get to do Grown Ups that franchise and just basically hang out with my friends you know and, or, yeah. or or maybe he's just not getting you know th- the serious roles that he wants because it is just hard to move away from that persona because like yeah it took apatow a friend of his to write something this you know sincere and heartfelt uh, to get Sandler to get you know a, an amazing performance from Sandler, and I'm sure Paul Thomas Anderson was like, oh, I've seen that potential, you know, since like the SNL days. So uh, I, I, of course, I'm gonna have Sandler star in my movie. And then it took like what ten years after Funny People for the 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 the, the, the Sadfi brothers to say, hey, it's been a while since, since we've seen an amazing Sandler performance. Let's get him in a movie. So yeah, I don't, yeah. you know, that could be a reason. It's just. Well, what, the, what I think is interesting about what you're saying is, like, every time he gets cast in these sort of, like, serious roles, it's almost like an ironic commentary on his comedic persona as some like, kind of, like, goofy, you know, man-child. Yeah. And so, like, Safety Brothers, like, you know, I remember when, you know, Uncut Gems was announced. I haven't seen the film yet, so I don't know what the film is like. I can only tell from the trailer. Um, but... Safety Brothers casting him seems like in the same way that it's like kind of like ironic to be casting you know Robert Pattinson. I mean Robert Pattinson in a film like I like I know Robert Pattinson like for the people like who like follow his career like we know that like he's not just like a blockbuster hunk anymore and it hasn't been for you know over half a decade. But like 
you know, on some like mainstream level, like casting Robert Pattinson, it's kind of like a little edgier because it's like unexpected. Um, and same with like Adam Sandler. I think it's like every time he gets like a Paul Thomas Anderson or Judd Apatow or Safdie Brothers to write him apart, it's always some kind of like reversal of his, you know, mainstream career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, it's not that I, I don't want to like badmouth all like the, you know, the traditional, you know, Netflix, you know, produced Sandler movies or his, you know, I mean, uh, I, mean I heard positive things about the one he did with Jennifer Hudson. Oh and yeah. The one he did with Jeffrey Aniston. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm sure I haven't seen those movies, but I'm, yeah. uh, I'm sure they work. Uh, they're successful for sure. So I don't know. I, I, uh, my yeah, thing is, yeah, I, I, I just want to see more of like this, you know, right, funny right. people, uncut, uncut gems, which I haven't seen yet, but I, I, I keep hearing it's amazing. You know, Punch Drunk Love. I want to see more of that Sandler. And every time he does that, it's it's another reason why I cherish funny people. It's like yeah. this is I don't see too much of the Sandler, you know, in movies, so I have to yeah, appreciate like, it. Funny when it's here. kind of like the best of both worlds, right? Like he gets to have that like serious performance. But he also just gets to be like dumb and funny and like curses a lot and you know humiliates people. Like it's kind of like the same. It's like I mean, like to me, like this this is the most that's like kind of commenting on his career, his persona, his identity. So yeah, I think funny people is so fascinating in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I, I think it. You know, despite the fact that I think he. I don't want to say wrongly, but you know, again, I want I wanted to, you know, I want to see more of this side of Sandler. We haven't seen it in so long after Funny People, you know, to to look back on it ten years later, it definitely holds up, um, and it's I think it's it's a good precursor to, you know, Uncut Gems and maybe anything else he plans on doing. Maybe he sticks with the serious, more serious uh, film routes. Who knows? Maybe not. But yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a perfect film. To showcase off his talent, and also just to kind of like solidify like who he is, you know, as uh, uh, as an actor. His filmography is kind of like summed up in this movie. Yeah, and the the beautiful thing about this film is that um, it's not it doesn't paint him as some sort of um, like, it's not that he's just, like, a good guy who just happens to, like, do kind of, like, asshole comedy. Like, <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's, like, he's kind, of, he's kind of a dick through, like, throughout the film. And, like, even on this, like, kind of, like, self-discovery journey that he goes on after his diagnosis, it's, like, he's still that guy and even after he learns that he's you know even after he learns that he's like getting better he like really becomes a jerk and it's so fascinating to see that the turnaround it's almost like his diagnosis like can't be his like lifesaver like he has to do additional work on himself before he can actually like develop these kind of human relationships Oh yeah, I, I one thing I took away from it from rewatching it uh, last night um, is I just didn't realize how, <laughs> like, 
typically at the end of you know most movies, a character changes. There's change, especially romantic comedies. There's change in there, you know, uh, enough change that's visible. But it's like there's marginal change. He barely changes at the end you know george simmons you know adam sandler's character you know the one thing he manages to do is to not be a dick you know to seth rogan's character at the very end and offer him uh help with his jokes and that's it other than that he's the same person (laughs) and i'm like wow like i i went through two hours and 20 minutes and he did and after having you know, almost broke up a marriage uh, after being diagnosed with like a life-threatening disease, and then you know, uh, uh, you know turning that around, he, he's changed a tiny bit. <laughs> and I, th- I think it's I think it's true to life. You know, you, you can't really change somebody overnight or you know over a few months. It 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 takes it takes time. It it takes a genuine care to oneself to just make significant change or as we see here like a tiny bit not to be a dick that one time (laughs) right yeah i mean well let's talk about his relationship with seth rogan yeah uh which i think is probably uh the most kind of significant emotional uh relationship in the film i mean i think obviously the sort of romance-ish with Leslie Mann is very significant, but I think this is, like, mainly a story about, you know, these two guys kind of dealing with each other. Yeah. It's one thing that I found touching, especially now after, yes, having lived 10 years of my life and, you know, growing uh, relationships, not just, like, romantic relationships, but, like, you know, relationships between me and, like, uh, my, you know, uh, friends, my, uh, I, I, you know, I back when I first saw this, I didn't have, I didn't meet my best friend yet, and now having met him, I understand more this relationship between Seth Rogen's character and Adam Sandler. It's uh, the the moments when it's unexpectedly intimate, when Sandler asks Rogen to talk to him while he's falling asleep. Yeah, I'm like, well, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I again, it's unexpected, and it's. It's touching, and not something you normally see in like a, you know, a comedy, you know, of this caliber, an R-rated comedy. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think that. Um, okay, so I don't like it when people are like, "Oh, it's a romantic comedy between these two friends," or like, you know, or like when a film has like the structure of a romantic comedy, but like places that structure within you know, two non-romantic, you know, friends. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of a cheat on, like, actual romantic comedies, um, especially, like, especially when there is some kind of, like, romantic kind of subplot. Like, a movie like, you know, Bridesmaids. Like, people like to say, like, oh, it's a romantic comedy, but it's about friends. And, like, I don't, I think, like, a movie can be about friendship and, you know, kind of deal with these sort of, like, breakup makeup scenarios but i don't i wouldn't call it a romantic comedy and i mean I, I think that you could as much as i would be loath to do it i think you could apply that to this film because this film actually does follow a romantic comedy um structure within you know ira and george which i think is pretty interesting and in how they 
how's how Judd Apatow kind of does that. Yeah, um, especially when you consider the traditional uh, uh, structure of romantic comedy. Yeah. There's there, there's always that point, you know, at the end of like the second act or whatever, uh, when the couple they have a fight, they break up seemingly, but then at the very end they get back together. Yeah. And you see that here, like uh, Ira and George have that serious fight, and uh, George says those it's like the truly terrible things to Ira. It still gets me, and it's like I think it may be my favorite uh, scene in the film when after being beat up by Eric Bana, <laughs> you know, after that that confrontation, um, George and Ira are in the car driving back, and George just tells Ira he's not he's not funny, and he's just nothing to him. Like it's it's painful. Like that that's the breakup scene between those two. Yeah. And then and then they don't come back together until the very end. And it's yeah, like, like you said, Manish. If you were to say, you know, this follows a romantic comedy structure with these two characters, yeah, it works. It works. Yeah, like I, I mean, it's so, um, it's so interesting to me because like I. Um, I really found that their relationship to be very um, not confusing because I mean I understood, but just very strange, but like in in a fascinating way because it was that kind of like the the push and pull of intimacy was very fascinating to me because you like you would have moments like you know when um like for example like you're you're saying like when george is asking ara to you know help him fall asleep by talking to him there's also like the scene where you know george tells him about his diagnosis and like takes him to the doctor where you kind of see this like very um intimate friendship between them where it's kind of like well they're the only ones who are kind of there for each other. So they got, it's just like, they have to be there for each other. But then there's also this element of like the, the push away, right? Like, um, you know, every time there's sort of this element of connection and friendship that just goes beyond kind of, uh, like the ribbing, the ball busting, whatever, then one of them just kind of like pushes back on it and like, doesn't let this friendship like kind of move further and develop and i think that has to do a lot with um you know what what, uh what you were saying just now yeah it's just like do you have any like comments on this sort of like idea of them like trying to become like intimate but then kind of like repelling away from that as they like out of like fear or you know what whatever yeah i actually have first-hand knowledge about how hard it is between to heterosexual males <laughs> being friends and being intimate you know uh, uh on the uh on the friendship level because <laughs> you know my best friend it took me a few years for me to be more open to him to to, to have a you know honest caring relationship like we were just for lack of a better word just bros yeah you know, like hey how's it going we, we, we you know we we uh, we told each other jokes, made each other laugh, you know, hung out. But it wasn't until we both, you know, um, kind of like this movie, like uh, uh, went through life-changing events, you know, where we found ourselves like needing that 
you know, comfort, needing to be a bit more intimate, you know, needing to talk about things we don't normally talk about. You know, once that happened in our lives, we became closer and our relationship grew from there. So, yes, it's, I, it's another reason why I love this movie now. It Having grown and having been through, uh, um, you know, found a friend who it was hard for me to become very close with, even though we were best friends. You know, I, I, I see that struggle in this movie and how, uh, uh, you know, George at one point says he needs Ira uh, uh, because he's lonely. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then like a scene later, he tells him he doesn't need him anymore. So yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 it, it's a weird thing being a, a straight guy and having straight guy friends. <laughs> it's weird. I, I, I have, um, uh, you know, uh, f- uh, female friends who I connect, you know, uh, I guess quicker with. <laughs> you know, we, we we talk about more things right off the bat than you know uh, any of my guy friends do. So it's it's that 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 you know struggle to be intimate with somebody. Yeah, it's it's real. It's hard to be friends with people because it's. I mean, it's. It's hard to be friends with people on like a more like serious level. Like that for sure is something that you know is so resonant. It's so easy to be friends with people just on like a superficial level to be like, okay, you know, we're just gonna like hang out and talk or whatever, and it's just never gonna be anything real uh, beyond that. And I really liked how this movie um, traces that evolution, traces that development. And I think it's really um, fascinating to look at, you know, this film within terms of, like, power dynamics between the two of them, you know, with, you know, Ira being the employee and um, also this sort of element of, like, you know, his career basically being in, you know, in the balance, because, like, if he really, you know, makes George angry, then, like, it could spell, you know, poorly for his career, and then when you juxtapose that with sort of, like, the very, like, easy success of his two roommates, played by um, uh, Jonah Hill and Jason Schwartzman, I think it's sort of fascinating to see how how their relationship is contrasted with uh, with Ira's relationship with his two roommates and how, like, those friendships are framed differently as well because there's still a lot of, like, resentment and, like, um, bitterness between the three of them, but they don't really seem to talk about it and they all just kind of, like, let it slide until it's, like, it all kind of bubbles up and the Thanksgiving scene. Yeah, it's it. Um, yeah, it, it, not to say my life parallels a lot of this, but there have been moments when yes, I, um, a friend, keeps something from me, uh, and then it's not until much later that I find out that they kept something from me, or maybe li- not necessarily lied to me. Um, yeah, what happens with Ira? You know, keeping. Um, Jonah Hill's character Leo out of the picture when George says, "Oh, you uh, you two guys should write jokes for me." But then Ira's like, "No, no, no! Don't worry about him. Don't worry about Jonah Hill's character. It's fine." And then yeah, um, to to have that, it's it's a very real blow up and a very yeah. I I I 
I can see how that may have been based on a real life thing, or I, I can see that happening because it kind it, it, it didn't exactly happen in my life, but I, yeah, it's it's a very real moment between two friends. And Jonah Hill's character has every right to be angry, but yeah. they make they, they make up in a way that feels um, also very real. Like Jonah Hill just goes, oh, "I'm just gonna forgive him today," you know. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been angry with him enough, and then that's yeah. it. It's like it's like a 10 second thing, and and and, and they're good again. So yeah, it, 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 you know. Um, uh, it, it may need it, it. It would have need to have been talked about maybe more than just like. It, it was maybe too brushed off, I'd say. <laughs> but it's very real, though. It's very real. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, this grudge, like, doesn't really serve much of a purpose because it seems like everything kind of worked out for, you know, Jonah Hill. So it's kind of like, well, what's the... Yeah. You know, what's the point of, like, holding this sort of uh, resentment? Exactly, yeah. Does anybody want to say grace or anything? Leo's a good writer, apparently. Come on, get up there. Leo. Leo. I'm okay. okay. Alright, let me go. I'll do it for us. Let me get it done. Okay, so first let's give thanks to our families not being here. Always easier. Always easier without the family. It's funny, I see you guys and you you are just so much younger than me. And I had no idea I was the old guy until I looked at you guys. Uh, it was like when I was growing up. I had a big nose. I had no idea until I went to the Gap and saw a three-way mirror, and I was like, wow. I didn't know I had that thing. Yeah, no, it's, a, um, it's good to be young. kind of sucks being old. So just enjoy this. Enjoy time. Time slips away, I promise you. I had a dinner like this 20 years ago with guys that... We just, like, lost touch with each other. I never talked to them anymore. Some of them are dead. So, uh, yeah, you know, things slip away. Uh, if you love somebody, don't let them slip away. I swear to you, this will be your most memorable Thanksgiving, the one that you want the rest of your life, the one that you say, man, it was never as good as that night. So let this night be great. Enjoy the taste of Leo's ball. <laughs> and, and going back to that, that uh, Thanksgiving scene, um, I think it's the reason why we're talking about it. Because uh, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure when exactly this episode's dropping, but uh, I think it's the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, there you go. Happy pre-Thanksgiving, folks. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve. Um, you know, one reason I was like, oh, I should, I should, you know, talk about this movie. I feel like even though it is contained to like three scenes in the movie <laughs> it it contains one of the most uh like powerful thanksgiving toasts i've ever seen in a movie yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, george simmons adam sandler just that speech he gives about you know, him being around these you know uh uh 20 year olds and how this is going to be the best moment of their lives and just to not you know lose track of who's important in your life uh uh, it, it gets me every time. It's it's a beautiful toast and um, God, Sandler's so good in this movie. I, I I love him. Yeah. No, I mean I I really agree. I think it's a really great um, it's a really great scene and a great monologue. And I I what I find so like 
it just what I find so profound about that scene is that it it feels very much like something kind of an older, more experienced person would say in a room of you know like twenty two year olds or whatever. Yeah. And I like that this movie has him being that like mentor, not like mentor role, but just like that like older like like somewhat of an authority figure or more like wise kind of person. Like even as he's helping you know Seth Rogen flirt with you know Avi Plaza, um, or that he's just kind of you know like making the toast and just like chatting with you know everyone there. It's kind of like he's um. It's like he's not trying to, like, be this, like, 20... He's not trying to, like, recapture his, like, 20s or whatever. He's just trying to, you know, like, be the adult in the room, which I found, I, I found that to be very, um, very, like, nice and warm and sweet. Yeah. And uh, something that uh, Sandler does throughout the, the film, that the reason why I think it's his best performance for me is, yeah, he has that that sense of like that, that lived in feel like you can see in his face, he's been through life <laughs> yeah. and that that's also him, I guess, um, you know, going through the, 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 the life threatening disease too, I guess, but no, but in his eyes, you can sense that, yeah, he's been through a lot and it, it, it all, you know, harkens back to, um, I guess, yeah, the main romantic plot line is him, uh george simmons like pining for for lore his lost love and i think at this point where do you know that that's you know on his mind and uh then the second half of the movie that's 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 what we're dealing with and it's it's a good precursor like oh this just leads up to that final like hour yeah him dealing with you know trying to get back the love of his life and the, the second half of the film is so well crafted uh because it's pretty much a like about what like thirty six hours or so. I yeah. mean, I guess like there's a little bit longer time in between, you know, with Eric Bauer going back to China. But I mean, actually, he doesn't go back to China, does he? He no, just goes he, back to the airport. Yeah, right? he just goes back to the airport. Yeah. So actually, yeah, yeah, maybe I was right. It's like it just feels like at least thirty six, forty eight hours or so. But it's like takes over a whole hour, and like so much happens. And all these relationships shift, all these, like, um, past, you know, past resentments, past, you know, issues come back up. And I I think it's a, I mean, I liked the first half of the film well enough, and I thought it was, like, you know, fine, you know, kind of comedy that, like, had some, you know, profound moments, you know, around and, you know, within the film, but... I really liked the second half because I felt it was very, a lot more, um, a lot more like unwieldy. I really yeah. couldn't tell like how it was going to shake out and how these characters would act and react. And I like that, like, especially um, especially Leslie Mann's character. I found her to be very, very interesting, a very um, complicated performance from Leslie Mann, who I think in general is a very, very good actress, especially when she works with her husband. Yeah, I, I'm on record for saying I love Leslie Mann so, yeah. so much. Um, and this is my favorite performance of hers um, because, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, I also find it very odd. Well, I, I guess they're 
used to this by now, but yeah, Apatow and, and, and Leslie Mann are married and, um, <laughs> you know, Apatow filming, you know, uh, scenes where, you know, someone else is having sex with his wife. Yeah. It's commonplace now. Um, but <laughs> it, and, and then also, uh, when the, when their kids are cast in movies too, it's, it's, uh, on the face of it. Yes. It's for the, it's for ease. It's like, Apatow as a director, he wants to get the the easiest kids to work with. Why not have his yeah. kids? <laughs> you know, right. so it makes perfect sense. But it is, in retrospect, like very like. Of course, it's very personal. But now, like ten years later, it's like, yeah, these are like home videos for Judd Apatow. Like, he, as as a filmmaker, he had, you know, um, the the. The the, the 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 wherewithal to say yeah I'm gonna put my kids in movies and they'll be there forever <laughs> and I can right. always go back to these movies and say there's there are my kids there's my wife you know um so yeah I, I find that oddly fast like it's like a time capsule that Apatel made for himself that he just gave to everybody else too um that's one that's one aspect of of Apatel's filmography I like but anyway getting back to to Leslie Mann oh I mean. It also plays into the the um, you know how personal Judd Apatow makes his movie, uh, in that uh, Apatow writes Leslie Mann's character as like a a failed actress, and you and you see like real life clips of Leslie Mann, um, yeah, you know, from like. I forget, like Pepsi commercials or something, and like yeah, uh, like early in her career. Yeah, early in her career, and it's it's jarring, but it also, it also works so well. I don't. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a fascinating performance uh, by Leslie Mann. Yeah, I mean, I so the first film that I saw with Leslie Mann was George of the Jungle when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, same for me. Yeah. Yeah, but then I really I felt like she wasn't really around much until um, her uh, cameo in um, the Fordial Virgin, and then her you know of course then with Knocked Up, I think that's when she really becomes like. Uh, a, a star, and I, I find that interesting because I mean I don't quite know how old she is when she does you know knocked up, but she's definitely not you know like twenty years old. And I this movie ends you know with her with her character Laura being like I want to restart my career and like go back to acting, and I think again it's another foreshadowing of the future, and that like. You know, as she gets older into her like 30s, is when she really becomes a uh, a movie star and like an actress who has a full, varied filmography, full of interesting projects. So I think it's it's an interesting little like call forward to you know her own life, or at least well, actually, I guess it wouldn't be a call forward because she's in the middle of her like career resurgence. But it's another like mirroring of real life and how you know, this movie kind of shapes itself based on very much the very public personas and, like, private lives of these actors. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I want to mention before I forget, uh, you are talking about how, yeah, uh, like, this, we were talking about the first half, second half of the movie. Yeah. Um, a lot of people come at this saying it's too long, right? And... I, I saw the theatrical cut. It's two hours and twenty six minutes. I yeah, forget that's how, what I watched as well. Yeah, yeah. I forget how long the extended cut is, but yes, there's it's a longer. It's two hours and thirty three minutes. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. I, for for time reasons, I just stuck with the theatrical cut because you know I, I saw this late at night uh, last night. But anyway, I love the length of this. Yeah. Um, I, 
it works. Like there, there is like it feels like an intermission point right in the middle. Like after George Simmons gets his like uh, good news, like oh you're not going to die. You, you've actually yeah. you know, you, you've actually you know gone through this and and you'll be okay. He has that party, and then he has that phone call with Laura, and then it fades out. Then it fades back in, and we're like we're in that time period of like yes, in these next three days, you know he's gonna you know you know come back into Laura's life. She might break up with her husband, and then like the second half of the movie starts. So I think it earns its time. It feels like two, it feels like two different movies, you know, cut together, but. I I, I I love that about it. it, it yeah. it's, in some way, it's a bit experimental um, in that he, he's been making like just straight comedies. But this is like, oh, let's let's do something different. Let's not make it a straight comedy. Let's, let's make this like, you know, let's frame this different. Let's tell like two stories that sort of connect together, telling one big story. So, yeah, I, I love how... Uh, this is framed in the length of it, so uh, I, I'm not one of those people who are like let's make uh, uh, comedies 90 minutes long. No, if if you yeah. have a story, if, if you have a story worth telling, make it as long as as as, as you want. Right. So I think I think Avatar pulls off the runtime. So what did you make of the film having Laura cheat on Eric Bana? <clears throat> When you first saw the film, and has that opinion changed in over the last ten years? Um, I guess this is where I get a little personal because I I said earlier I side more with uh, George Simmons's character. Yeah, and I do. Um, his pining for the love of his life, right? Like that relationship is very. It's <laughs> I, 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 I see a lot of myself in that, um, you know, in losing, you know, the quote unquote love of my life and that pining. And I think when I first saw it and, you know, Laura cheats on on her husband with with George, it's it didn't it didn't hit me as hard as it hit me this time. OK, um, I just saw I guess maybe I saw that more as just a plot device. It's like, OK, fine. Sure. She, she cheats and that leads to like the end where they all fight and and yeah that's there's no like real emotional depth I saw with that you know act right and then seeing it now I see it more as like again it's it's a bit more real I I see that pining I see why Laura does that more like there's more there's more reason to that um and that that scene earlier in the movie when they have that heart to heart and she breaks down and cries and she says like I still love you you still are the you still are you were the love of my life that right. that, that resonates and that um uh, uh feeds into like uh giving a a a, a very not justifiable but a, I I see why she does it and I see how I see why that's a mistake and um I don't know. I, I, the, the emotional resonance is even more powerful now, you know, ten years later than I just yeah. thought. It was like just, just the plot, you know, if that makes sense. You know, that's, you know, uh, I think nothing of it. You know, it, it happens because we need to get to the climax. I, I, there, there's more emotional weight to it now, and I see yeah. where she, I see where she's coming from. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, so do I, and I think what's, I, 
I feel like infidelity is like one of those things in like movies, especially like rom- like romantic comedies. It's like you're not. It's like one of those things where I feel like it's hard to do it casually with one of your leads. And I think that I can't remember a romantic comedy where there's some sort of infidelity and it's kind of brushed brushed aside. And it's like it's because it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to like write your character back from that because it's such a you know betrayal or. Um, but then there's also the flip side of that is that like a romantic comedy can do that if the um, you know if the person who's committed the adultery and or the infidelity and the person that they committed with is like some kind of like pre like um, predestined kind of love story or it's like this attraction is just so strong that like they have to you know be together and. Uh, betray their partners and I think what's interesting is that as much as George and Laura talk about how they are you know meant to be or each, each other's love love of their lives in some ways I felt like their relationship felt very mundane and not mundane as in boring but just like I didn't feel like the, this movie was saying these are, like, star-crossed or whatever. I felt like there's just, like, two people who fell in love and then had to break apart and then now are finding each other again. But, like, I don't know. It didn't feel like some grand or epic love story, which I found very interesting and somewhat refreshing. Yeah. Uh, see, the way I see it is, like, they... And this is why I, 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 connect, I connect with it more now. Like they, it, on a very, I guess on a micro level, um, they still have that feeling. They 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 think in their heart of hearts they are meant for for each other, but no. When you on the macro level, and something that uh, Laura finds out is like, yeah, well she's married now. She has kids, you know. And yeah. so, so that Eric Bana's character says like, nobody who's married is happy, you know. Right. Um, you can still feel that in your heart that you love, you know, somebody that you feel like they're the love of your life, but you have to think of the bigger picture. <laughs> you know, it's it's not just the two of you. It's not you and you know your soulmate. It's you know where you are now in life. It's it's you know who you're with now. You have to consider not just you know you and that person. You have to consider everybody else in your life. So yeah, that I understood more. You know, again, I could see why they did it, because at that point they were very much, in, you know, it's it's a bit, it's it's a bit selfish. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 don't think to consider, you know, what, what they're doing. Even even George, uh, you know, it, putting Ira in that position <laughs> is not a good position to put, you know, somebody who, you know, you consider to be a friend, or you you might want to be, you might want to consider to be a friend. You know that yeah. scene. The scene after George and Laura have sex, and when George walks in, and Ira's like, "What, what, what, what are you doing?" <laughs> it's like we're we're here, you know, with her kids, and you go off, and oh, yeah, it's again on a on a micro level, I see why you know they they had sex, but on the macro level, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, put in your pants, people. That's that's my point. <laughs> Think of not just yourself, of but like what you know what. Uh, what other people, you know, are, right. you know, how they're affected. 
I mean, you know, I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, like, um, I found like this love triangle to be so complicated, right? Because on one hand, you have like, you have someone saying you love my life, and then on the other hand, you have someone who, you know, has their own flaws, but also like is you know your husband. And it's a kind of an impossible choice, and she makes the like more practical one, which I think is probably for the best. Yeah, and it it um, I like that it becomes uh very quickly apparent to Laura that she she made a mistake in you know thinking she'd have a a perfect life with George because yeah. that one of my favorite scenes is like um. Uh, Laura showing uh, George and Ira. Uh, oh yeah, it? absolutely. So one of the most like uh, heartbreaking scenes, even though it's absolutely hysterical. <laughs> yeah, th- where, where 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 she shows them that scene of uh, her her daughter doing cats, <laughs> and right right away, you know, uh, George is like not paying attention, making fun of it, and you, 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 you she doesn't say it right away, but you see in her face, she's like. Like what the fuck, man? And then she says it later. It's like you, you, you weren't paying attention. Like you, you were making fun of it. Like what's, what's the deal? And he's yeah. like, no, it was funny. It was. Uh, he's, he's trying to defend himself. And immediately, no, like you know, there and then, you know, these two should not be together. Again, yeah. it, they're thinking of, you know, what they had in the past. You know, the, the this mindset of like, yes, we, we belong together, but they don't see beyond that. You know, and then right. when, then when George is with is with Laura's kids, you see that relationship and you see he's not having fun there. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he's, all, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's a, he's a father to these kids, you know, for like a few hours, even he can't, he can't handle it. So yeah. Uh, jumping into something, not knowing the consequences. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's clever that, uh, Apatow has his characters like kind of like in a, in a, uh, in a situation where they can't escape, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no yeah. room, there's no room to breathe. They find out very quickly, you know, uh, the consequences and the mistakes they're making. Yeah, I mean, they're very much like in love with the idea of the other person, and you know, another really great little scene that's like not really a scene, but just a little glimpse is her is Laura um, driving to the airport and singing along to, to like memory. And I think it's interesting because um, it's like that video represents like not just her children, but just like that kind of familial relationship with her children. And I think it's like on that ride when she's like deciding between Adam Sandler and Eric Bana, which I don't even know how how that's a discussion. (laughs) Eric Bana is Eric Bana. Uh, but you know this is before Hannah, so but after Troy, so she should have known. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting, and I like when you know she goes to the lounge and has that scene with him, and they're finally having you know an adult conversation and learning from each other, and then unfortunately you know Ira, um, like they they spot Ira there who came to stop her, and you posted the scene on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's an amazing line delivery from Leslie Mann. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you care to, like, 
don't know. kind of reenact it like re-enact it, yeah. <laughs> so I, I i love it because it again it feels very real and it's also very funny yeah, um so because funny. you come to realize what you know it's it's a smart scene because you come to realize the situation they're in is very weird <laughs> yeah it's absurd. it's absurd yes the absurdity helps it helps make this scene like hilarious and also very smart. So Ira like surprises uh, you know Eric Bana and 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 Leslie Mann's character like they've come to a, a, a they're 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 back together, but with Ira being there it's like hey what are you doing here? <laughs> so then Eric Bana finds out that yes like Leslie Mann was going to you know run away with 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 Adam Sandler's character yeah. and then Eric Bana goes and you know. Uh, goes to beat up, you know, uh, George Simmons, and then let's, <laughs> Laura's like turns to Iris like, "Who are you? Who are you? Get out of my life!" Because <laughs> who so is this true, guy? Because like he's just some like random guy. Exactly. It's like how did he and get into like, this situation? He's like inserting himself into her life and causing more chaos. I mean, honestly, like he, I think that like you know. If he hadn't gone and she, you know, went to go, you know, break it off with her husband, it's like, well, that's her choice. Like, who are you to like? Yeah, it was very, very interesting. Um, very interesting little dynamic there, and it's like you kind of forget this because like this movie has a very chill vibe to it, right? Like even when it's like very like sad or. Um, you know, like, sentimental, like, it has a very chill vibe where it's, like, sure, like, Laura is just gonna, like, welcome her, like, ex-fiance and some random guy into her house and, like, letting her, like, this, like, random guy watch her kids while she gets, like, um, while she gets some action with Adam Sandler. So it's so funny because it's, like, he's he is random. Like, technically, she doesn't know him at all. And so I like that she finally, like, calls, you know, calls calls him out on basically like you know inserting himself into this story where he doesn't really belong yeah and again it's uh, it's it's the thought of george um of putting ira in this situation it's like i i i, I side with ira i'm like <laughs> i uh, <clears throat> it, it's why they have that fight at the end um right at, at this time watching it, it made me think you know what would i do like if i were in ira's position like would I insert myself in in their lives like this this personally? Uh, a person who I like Laura, who I've only really known for like two days. Like, yeah. am I like? I uh, maybe I would. I don't, I don't know if I would. I don't know. I don't know actually. Um, because maybe George has like a legitimate like case at the end in saying, you know, why would you do that? Uh, m- maybe not in the harsh way he says it, but it's like. Uh, again, but but yeah. again, it's it's a friend trying to help in a way. It's uh, he knows George is not making the right decisions, <laughs> and he's ruining yeah. he's ruining a marriage, he's ruining a family. So, uh, so it's maybe hard. yeah, it's it's, it's it's a moral choice. Maybe you do have to come in and say something. So yeah, it's 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 good writing. I think I think it's good. It's 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 a very it's almost a very three's company sort of situation. It's very like, right. <laughs> like let's put these, you know, random characters in this, like, 
you know, it's like a bottle episode. It's like put them all in a house. Let's see what happens. Right. And then and then when Eric Bana's character walks in, you're like, oh, oh, this is unexpected. Let's add like another uh, 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 element to this, you know, to, to shake things up. And I think it works because in that span of time, <laughs> everything gets sorted out by the end. So, yeah, um, yeah, we haven't talked much about Eric Bana's character, but I I love that he's. He's using his real accent. Uh, yeah. He seems like a very, like, real guy. Like, he he admits to having an affair. Um, he is he's he's charming, but he's also an asshole. And in a way, um, he is like 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 Laura says, like uh, she falls in love with the same type of person. And yeah. you, you kind of see that, even though they're again they're Adam Sandler and Eric Bana, you kind of see that sort of. Uh, sense that yeah she's making kind of like the same mistake again but again like she's she's married with him she she has those kids so and he, he does seem like a genuinely good guy by the end <laughs> that that moment yeah. um when he comes back after you know getting in that fight with george and he says this is all about karma you know i've done wrong and i see i've done wrong and this is just karma coming back and you know uh causing all this chaos and yeah, it's it's a good performance by Eric Bano. I've always loved him, and he's 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 pretty good in this. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like seeing the trailer for this um, before it came out, and just being like, oh, like wow, like that like hot guy from Troy is like funny apparently, and then you know like he was a sketch comedian in Australia in yeah. the early days of his career, which is so fascinating because like now he's like I mean. Yeah, now I mean now he's kind of transitioning towards like character parts, but like he was like the you know number one guy like between like Troy Munich and uh, and this film. Yeah, uh, I almost forgot about Munich. Munich is he's incredible in that. I I've always yeah. loved the guy, and I want to see him more things. And um, it, it felt like Jai Patel knew he knew Eric Bana had it in him to deliver this kind of performance it's it's, i mean it uh, compared to all the other characters it's a relatively smaller you know role yeah but i mean like it's like i mean it's crazy right like his like cameron diaz monologue is like the most insane thing i've ever heard in my life (laughs) not because he's wrong but just like oh my god like it's so funny yeah (laughs) and 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 george is like well like you have laura here she's like she's amazing but then Eric, like uh, yeah, Eric Bana's character is like, but but Cameron Diaz, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, it 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 feels so real. Like I know people like that who just in the most awkward situations, like with their wives or with their girlfriends, there they say the most absurd shit. Yeah, and, my God, yeah. Yeah, it oh it it, it pains me um to 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 see that because. I've I've seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So have I. Yeah. It's so awkward. Um, I mean, like speaking of like awkward, I mean, I kind of wanted to uh, touch upon Aubrey Plaza and Jason Schwartzman, uh, the whole dynamic there before yeah. we finish up here. My one question to you about that is like, what did you? Um, I get kind of, like similar to like my other question is like. What did you think about that in like 2009, and like has that changed over the last 10 years? Oh, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, you know, even now, I felt kind of like where, 
where Ira is not okay. <clears throat> Let me rephrase. Um, when I first saw this like ten years ago, I was very new to like like dating, right? Yeah. And now ten years later, after having one long relationship and then you know breaking uh breaking up with that you know girlfriend and now being single and now being back in dating life, um, I still feel <laughs> I I. I <laughs> I resonate with this character, sure, but I am entirely. I wasn't on. Okay, I I knew where Albie Plaza was coming from when I first saw this, right? But yeah. now I'm I'm fully on her side now. Right. <laughs> Ten years later, I <laughs> because it, it, it I, 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 I'm like yes, Ira, I hear you. Yes, like like it's uh you 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 made you made a plan with her. Yes, in in like a month's time, you're gonna go on a date with her, but. It's a first date. You barely know this person. Like, uh, sure, she slept with like your your roommates, but ultimately, who, who is she to you? <laughs> right. It it, it 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 it's perfectly summed up with like the one line Aubrey Plaza says after they have that fight. She says like, "This is the longest I've talked to you." It's like, right. Yeah. So this connection that Ira has to her, um. It plays so well because it's something that guys should learn faster is that you can't have this connection with somebody you barely know that you can't have this uh, possessive nature, you know, um, you got to play it more loose, man. Come on. (laughs) Dating is weird and you're going to go through these ups and downs and you have to get to know somebody first before you even even start to think you know, of, you know, putting your flag down. It, it, it gives me chills even saying that, but yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's a very naive way of thinking, you know, uh, and I saw that, you know, seeing it now, uh, Ira's point of view and yeah, um, it grows, it goes to show that dating is just a weird, weird, uh, environment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just very surprised that, a film in 2009 would um, express kind of what she said. I, I, because I, I feel like that kind of line of thinking feels very new, but maybe it's not as much as I thought it was. But um, yeah, because I, I mean, I generally thought this movie, being you know written by men and you know focusing on men, would make Aubrey Plaza's character more you know quote unquote villainous just by you know being sort of the foil in the romance, being part of, you know, the three of them being in this, like, love triangle. But I don't think this movie vilifies her for, you know, her decisions and stuff. And I think it's, uh, yeah, just really, really fascinating character. I mean, I wish there was, like, more of that in the oh, film. Oh, yeah. I it's... feel like after Thanksgiving, it's kind of dropped. Which makes sense, because, like, they're in a different location, but... Yeah, but I I do feel that it's it works well enough in that you do you get that you get that resolution and they do go like on that date and they have that kiss you know uh, those two characters yeah. and it, 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 you get that sense that yeah Ira learned a thing or two that um you know you can get over that feeling uh, she can have sex with anybody who who she wants and yeah. And they can still maybe have something after that. So yeah, it's it's sweet. 
you know, yes, I, I agree. Maybe there should have been more to that, but uh, yeah, this is well, only because like Aubrey Plaza is such a great presence on oh, screen. Absolutely, I'm like I want to see more of her and less of you know Jonah Hill, <laughs> <laughs> which I found funny in in 2019 seeing this uh, uh, Jonah Hill's character. Uh, keep saying the Seth Rogen's characters like why did you get skinny like now nah, like, like uh, a funny guy who's skinny is like weird <laughs> and, and now t- t- 2019 Jonah yeah. was like svelte and you know two time Academy Award nominee <laughs> right yeah so it's 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 a um, it's a weird uh, weird throwback to see Jonah Hill be the Jonah Hill of ten years ago you know. Yeah. Um, also, like, um, so I think we're about uh, close to wrapping up. Do you have any final thoughts on funny people before we finish up? I mean, uh, I I think I touched on uh, a lot of what I wanted to touch on. Again, it's I I uh, I'm moved by this. There are certain scenes that really, you know, uh, still make me emotional, even. Another reason why I like this, I'll mention this, and it's the last thing I, I, I say about this movie. Even the 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 moments when it just it could be too sappy, where they're just really going for that, you know, uh, emotional moments. I love it. Like that that sequence when uh, uh, George sings. Uh, was it um, Real Love? Right. Yeah. With the band, that that whole montage. Oh, it's it's so good. It's 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 so good, and it's 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 another point where Sandler shows another talent of his. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's done like uh, comedic songs, and you know we've 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 heard him sing before, but I, I can't think of another instance where you see you know Sandler sing so heartfelt. Maybe a wedding singer, right? Obviously, singer. Yeah, but that like in the one. Yeah, but in again, in, you know, that was like in '99. Right, so yeah, they're about yeah. Yeah, so I had to wait ten years to, to hear another heartfelt, you know, song from you know, sung by Sandler. So yeah, that moment in particular uh, touches me. So yeah, again, this movie, I love it. Um, I'm glad that it it passed muster, Ranish. We you know we can call it a romantic comedy. <laughs> I was worried there for a second, you know. Yeah, like, right. You're watching it, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think it works. This, this is a favorite of mine. So I'm glad I got to talk about it on this podcast. And I'm glad to have you. Marcelo, where can people find you online? They can find me personally on my Twitter at Marcelo J. Pico. But you can find some of my writing, some of other great people's writing, like Manish. Uh, you can find their writing on talkfromsociety.com. Uh, also, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfromsociety. Hey, you can listen to those bonus episodes of it Pod to Be You. Uh, Manisha and I talked about, what was it, Ghosts of Girlfriend's Past? Yeah, which is yeah. a very similar movie to this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed even <laughs> <a> trend here. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I, I, I knew it was going to get a personal. I, think, I, I, I didn't get as personal as I thought it would. I didn't yeah. mention you know, some of my no, no, you, you know, failed ones. Embarrass yourself? <laughs> no, no. And I hope to one day embarrass myself on the podcast, but not. It wasn't this one. Uh, but yeah. yes, I, uh, I, uh, I did mention some of my uh, uh, personal things on that episode. So if you want to hear more of me talking about my past relationships, listen to that episode of It Pod to Be You, the the yeah. Summer of McConaughey episode. So there you go. That's all. 
And you can find me on Twitter at TheManish89. Also, please follow the podcast at It Had to Be You. Rate, review, subscribe to help people find this show. Um, yeah, please visit TalkFilmSociety.com. And uh, Marcella, will there be time to um, contribute to the uh, decades ballot when this comes out in the next oh, couple of weeks? Yes. So if you're listening to this before December 2nd, you can still vote for the best films of the decade for yeah. our um, for our poll. Go to talkfilmsociety.com slash vote to vote in that. All you have to do is pick 25 you know, films of the last 10 years that you, you think are fantastic. Uh, it's it. That's easy enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> List those out in, in numerical order. Boom. Done. Um, so, so do that before December 2nd. And then we'll announce the winners, not the winners, with the list of movies um, yeah. in, in mid-December. So there you go. Um, okay, Marcel, what would be the one movie that, if it ends up being on like the list, would drive you like <laughs> up the wall? Drive me up the wall? Um, <clears throat> my gosh. Well, uh, earlier today I looked at the list, and uh, if that person's listening, I'm sorry, but I'm going to call you out. You put, um, person listening, you put uh, Batman v Superman at number one. Um, I want more, more people to vote to uh not let that ever get on the list (laughs) any Zack snyder movie is my answer um please don't don't. oh you know what if the if the if the snyder cut of justice league comes out before the end of the year then maybe that'll be in the running but everything else no no please don't for love god all right, well, we'll just have to end it there. Um, yeah, please uh, you know, vote on the ballot. And uh, thank you so much, Marcelo, for doing this. Thank you. And um, thanks to the listener for listening. Um, bye. Be around. Be around about the stars. Each one is a setting sun. Voices escape, singing sad, sad songs to 